0: This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Julie Winkle Giuliani on the line. Hey, Julie, how are you?
1: I'm great, Michael. How are you?
0: I am great. You are the co-author of Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go career conversations organizations need and employees want and I know in the pre-show we talked a bit about how organizations need to take a longer harder look in developing their employees if they want them to thrive in the organization and stick around so what motivated you to write the book?
1: Well, you know, I was blessed over the years with some really phenomenal leaders who were natural developers of people. And for much of my career, I didn't even recognize how great they were at it. I just kind of took it for granted, figured everybody in the workplace had these leaders who saw potential, who cared about the person beyond you know the workflow, who uh, looked for opportunities to boost their capacity and their confidence. And when I hit, gosh, I must have been about 30 years old before I hit my first, just not even a bad boss, just kind of a normal one who really wanted to know what I was going to do for her each day. And um, I realized as soon as I hit that experience, just how uh, fortunate I had been, but how debilitating it can be to work for someone who doesn't have your growth and your best interest at heart. And so uh, I, I quickly found my, myself uh, in another role with another leader, but also sort of the rest of my career to helping leaders, helping managers develop this capacity to, to really focus on developing others.
0: It, it's crucial um, and every organization that I've been a part of where I was the leader. I strongly advocated, even to the point of chasing employees down that weren't using their professional development Mm -hmm. budget allocation, saying, we need to do something. And uh, there was a couple times where it took, oh, I'd say about four or five months going back and forth to brainstorm, basically, and say, Mm -hmm. okay, this is what you want to do, and this is going to benefit you and the clients we serve and there's been some situations where it was a dotted line type of thing to helping the the customers or the clients but I knew that it would make this individual more well-rounded in their role which then of course played big dividends on them sticking around and actually thriving in the organization and and coming up with all kinds of different things. I've been fortunate as well uh, to work for organizations that believed in leadership development because too often we find people go into a leadership role and they'll say, congratulations, you're the new executive director or the CEO, and they don't train you actually how to do that role. So you're like, hmm, okay, well, I guess I need to figure this out on my own, which is a recipe for disaster in many cases, because when you go from a management type of environment to directing or leading, those are different roles. And if, you're, you, if you try to use the management side of things too much, it's really like bringing the wrong tools uh, to build a house. Mm -hmm. It's like, what, you know, what am I going to, I need a hammer and I brought a saw. And it's, it's one of those challenges that I I see time and time again. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and you know, uh, you're, you're bringing up something that gets a lot of play um, in the leadership management arena. And it's like, what's the difference between a manager and a leader, right? And they're not necessarily synonymous. You know, managers are the ones who can kind of keep things moving forward, keep the, the train on the tracks, whereas leaders are making sure that the train is heading in the right direction. And um, and you're right, the skill sets required, frankly, for both of those are unique and different from what might might have been developed and honed as an individual contributor. I think so frequently we figure if somebody was a really great engineer, then sure, they'll be a great manager of engineers and uh, not always so much.
0: We sit in the sports world all the time, where you know the, some of the you know, greatest professional athletes that have ever played will, you know, dabble in coaching, and they're horrible at it. Mm-hmm. And then vice versa, you'll see you know some players that were were decent players. You know, they're not by what society would deem you know Hall of Fame worthy, but yeah. then they start winning. All types of championships and win coach of the year awards or manager of the year awards, and you go, what you know, what's the difference on that? And a, a lot of times, I, I see it's being you know a student of the game or in leadership, being a student of of leadership and constantly learning new techniques, different perspectives on how to lead, and, and that's one of the things that's been really beneficial for me in my life and my career. Is you know, I've studied from uh, a Michael Hyatt or a John Maxwell or all the others. You know, I look and see what they do, and I, I take things that would naturally work for me, mm-hmm. and and implement them. And then things that aren't natural, I'll go okay. Maybe this is something I need to develop a skill or an observation or a trait that I need to develop. Let's let's see. And of course, you know, seeking feedback of your peers on, on, on what their thoughts are when it comes to, you know, trying to implement a a different type of leadership style. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'm seeing I know you are too, is, you know, we're at this particular time where, you know, we've got four generations now working in the workforce, whether it's the baby boomers generation X, the millennials, and now generation Z uh, so all you've got four different entities all working together. And as a leader, you could have all of those people you're know, reporting to you and you go, okay, I, I can't cookie cutter this and, and lead all of them the same way. So I'm sure you see that too. In, in, in the people you talk with, and that'd be an interesting to hear your, your, your take on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, I did some research on this, um, looking across a generational spectrum at the kind of the core beliefs and the priorities of uh, of employees. And of course, my hypothesis was that there would be some pretty stark differences among the generations. What I found out was that what we have in common is far greater than our, our points of departure across the generations. Um, whether you're a millennial, an Xer, a boomer, you still are looking for meaningful work. You're looking for a boss whom you respect and whom you can trust. And you're looking for opportunities to grow and learn throughout your career. You know, it's interesting. I was just reflecting upon, you were talking about the different kinds of coaches and what is the difference between those who really excel and those who maybe fall a little bit short, my experience has been it really comes down to their focus. Where are they focusing? Are they focusing on themselves? And if you were a star player, it's hard not to think about the game from how you're going to do it. Um, Or are they focusing on others? And so the best leaders that I've experienced are the ones who are looking at the world through the lens of those whom they lead who are thinking about their people and what's gonna be required to help them contribute and build confidence and feel that sense of of purpose and and meaning. And that to me is really the game changer. It also sort of speaks to the whole generational thing because you're so right. Given the diversity that we've got in the workplace, there's not a one size fits all solution to anything. I think sometimes folks think, well, if I can crack the code on the generation, then I'll have the approach for all millennials or all boomers or all whomever. And, um, you know, the truth is within each of those generations, within any group, you've got wild variation. And so, again, I think the best leaders are the ones who really take a, you know, just for you, just for me approach, who look at each individual as unique and special and, and work to understand and bring forth the the gifts that each of us has to bring and then responds in a a way that's unique and organic for that individual.
0: I love that analogy. And, you know, my most uh, recent experience where I was uh, leading a a multi-site healthcare clinic, uh, you know, I had a pretty diverse team of, of individuals and they, were all different as far as uh, backgrounds. Ages were close, but there were some variances. Uh, but you know what you know what they wanted out of life and their career varied. Even though I could have a handful in the same type of role, and you know, I made it a point to you know understand. And that's the big thing. If if anybody takes anything away from any type of lesson or anything that we talk about today or any, anything you ever read is seek to understand, you know, seek to understand their point of view and what, what's important to them. I, I don't want to say motivate because sometimes motivation comes and goes, you know, and uh, but you know, it's it ultimately comes down to what, what's important to that person for their career, for their life. Uh, what do they want to accomplish? What goals do they have? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and understand those and, and look for ways that the organization can honor those desires in a way to develop this individual mm-hmm. uh, to be more well-rounded. Because if they're 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 really good at a, a new trait or a new skill or something like I alluded to earlier, that may not be directly related to the the service you provide, but indirectly it could make a huge difference in in how they approach things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you do that as an organization you're going to have less turnover you're going to have happier more productive employees without hounding them to hit numbers and or and yes measurements and numbers and performance are a factor that you should measure uh, but you should also make sure that you encourage them and, and create the environment where it's easy for them to hit those numbers and then it exceed and then exceed them and, yeah. and, 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 and not have it be a numbers game, but more of a, what can we do to uh, so see get fulfillment out of you know, spending your eight hours a day, five days a week, um, mm-hmm. kind of lifestyle, which, you know, many, many roles are still in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're hitting the numbers is really the natural outcome of how we've set things up to work. Right.
0: Oh, it's when true. When I yeah.
1: Think about your, um, your comment about the commitment to understanding. In my mind, that really translates into a commitment to the relationships that we have with each other. And when leaders recognize that it's not just about the numbers and following up on the deadlines, that the way they can make the biggest difference both for the individuals and the organization is through relationship. Then suddenly we've begun to hardwire into the DNA of the group and the organization, an environment that will naturally help people reach those goals and hit those numbers. So you're not beating them over the head to make it happen.
0: Yeah. And with additional development, they could learn, you know, techniques and other skills that, would make it to the point where you would have to increase their numbers because they were blowing past the number anyway. And you say, okay, well, let's, let's, let's work in and, we're, and, and, and you have an open conversation with them. It's like, okay, you, we, from a patient deliverable standpoint, so like, okay, we're expecting you to see, you know, five patients a day if you're in a, a mental health type of thing and an eight hour day, that's giving at least an hour for, for every session, time for admin lunch, you know, all the good stuff. And if, you know, they are efficient and they're easily seeing six or seven or eight. And the patient satif- sat- satisfaction, excuse me, patient satisfaction surveys come back and they're getting glowing reviews. You're like, okay, you, you've discovered something. You have found a sweet spot in how you deliver your care to these individuals in a way where you're actually helping two more people a day. That's ten. That's actually to the point where, from the old average, you'd be working seven days a week, which we wouldn't do that to you. But you are delivering as if you are, mm-hmm. and 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 you're not burning out as a an employee. You're just you're just operating and you know done right. I've seen you know individuals where they were just they almost look like they were glowing. They were having yeah. so much fun in yeah. what they were doing, and if we can have environments where people are really enjoying their craft and what they're doing and create an environment where that's encouraged. It makes a huge difference.
1: Oh, I couldn't agree more. You know, my experience has been that when we help people kind of tap their competence, when they really feel like they're, they're mastering this, that they, you know, they're rocking this, whatever it is that they do. And we help them contribute more to me that creates this virtual cycle, this upward spiral of, energy and more of those good things that the organization needs you know at the same time i think sometimes what um i don't want to say a bad leader but a leader who's not as informed or enlightened might do is look at that and say okay well they can do two more maybe now they can do three more a day and we can end up pushing folks as you said to the point of exhaustion and and, uh, and burnout. So the, the other way to tap that kind of confidence and the glow and the ability, you know, the superpowers that individuals present um, is to find ways to help them share that with others. You know, that's the other way to magnify your results, if you will, is by having those who really have nailed something teach others, share their best practices, let others in on, you know, their secret tips and tactics um, so that that everyone in the group gets to benefit from that and enhance their own competence and contribution at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's crucial. And it, again, it just creates such a huge difference in, in the environment. And it resonates throughout. And it, it you see it, it turns into this... I want to call it an epidemic, but it's a, an epidemic of this contagious, everyone just wants to be better at what they're doing and they don't want to say, okay, I've, I've taken this course or I've had this training, now I can do this. No, they, they just, It just creates this internal desire to want to learn more and you have an organization that is supportive of that. It, it, then you you really start making some huge impact in whatever you're doing as an organization, no matter if you're making a product or a service or anything like that, that permeates through the organization. Your customers or clients see it. They feel it. And it just it, it's a game changer.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And what what you're describing is really a learning culture where learning is, is deeply embedded into the, the DNA of how things are done. And it's not the negative kind of competition, but more a positive, encouraging sort of, I love epidemic and contagions. I know that they can, can sound a little bit negative, but in this case, it's really a positive one where we're helping people catch the spirit of fun and joy and and excitement and contribution that they can have in the organization.
0: Yeah, it, it makes such a big difference. So when you approach an organization that is the opposite of what we've been talking about, mm-hmm. and but they have a desire and they're going, okay, I we want to implement this and, and have a more uh, positive approach on development and, and leading our people in the right way. What, you know, what are some of the you know, crucial steps that you do first off to help them get the momentum to, to carry that through?
1: Well, a lot of it really boils down to leadership behaviors. And so a lot of my time is spent um, training and coaching leaders to think differently about their role and to to appreciate the central role that development has in that. At the end of the day, leaders are the ones who are growing more capacity and growing more leaders in an organization. Um, That same study I, I mentioned earlier, where I was looking across the generations, the other thing we discovered is that regardless of age, all employees believe that development is one of a leader's most fundamental responsibilities to employees and so helping leaders appreciate just how profoundly important developing growing expanding one's contribution ability to to contribute is to people is is half the battle you know, recognizing that. And then the other half really is what are the skills that managers can and leaders can begin to um, hone and apply day in and day out. So frequently, when I start a conversation with leaders about developing others, you know, the first thing they'll say is, "Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that. I know it's really important, but who's got the time? And so that's one of the barriers that we need to really break down because when it comes right down to it, development happens through relationship and through conversation. So it's not that it's an extra to do on somebody's list if we can make it part of our our standard leadership cadence.
0: It all starts with leadership and leadership behaviors, whether it's an organization that is thriving and growing and and wanting to do things or it's uh, stressed out to the max, burned out, people quitting, people going on disability, you name it. Um, It, it, it all starts with leadership and, and if, and that's, that's why it's leadership has never been more important than it is now as we navigate through, you know, the changing workforce and, you know, the, with, AI and all kinds of different mechanisms and all of these things that uh, we're being thrown at in uh, the gig economy, you name it. You know, there's all these little different factors that are, are making things challenging. It's those organizations uh, that you know, believe in professional development for their teams and their leaders are going to be able to withstand you know, whatever changes uh, the economy or the workforce world looks like.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, one thing that I am keenly aware of right now is organizations that are redefining what that development looks like are the ones who are going to thrive. Because so many organizations for decades have, they've put, they've put um, development in a bit of a box and it's sending somebody off to a workshop or an offsite, a seminar, e-learning webinars, you know, all of those formal learning mechanisms. And I make my living doing that. So don't get me wrong. It's it's good and it's important, but it's really the tip of the iceberg. And so what organizations need to, to master is development that's more organic, more ad hoc in the moment, taking advantage of learning opportunities, challenges, stretch assignments, visibility opportunities, um, and just wringing more development out of day-to-day life, you know, when there's a mistake or when there's a success or when anything happens to take the moment to hit the pause, button to say, what did we learn from that? I mean, that's development too. And it's development that operates at the speed of business that, that can't be argued away with, hey, I don't have time for that, because we're already in the thick of it, having the experiences, just a matter of unpacking it for the learning.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And just yeah, again focusing on you know, never stop learning, never, never stop developing your, your leaders and your teams. And it, it makes such a huge difference for organizations now and, and their success down the road for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been playing with the term longevity. Um, You know, we talk about longevity, living longer, but um, the only way that that's really um, worth anything and joyful is if we add the longevity piece of it, if we figure out how to become lifelong learners and keep learning throughout the process.
0: No, I love that phrase. And if I use it, I will definitely give you full 100% credit. And if somebody pays me to use it, I will, I'll, I'll say, okay, what's your PayPal email? I'll forward it over to you. No, that's you awesome. You
1: are a good man, Michael. Thank,
0: thank you. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Uh, Julie, where can people find out more about you and the awesome work you're doing?
1: Oh, thank you for asking. I've got a website at www.juliewinklejulioni.com. There's lots of um, information there and some free resources for organizations and for leaders who really want to make development a, a central pillar of their uh, their culture and a priority.
0: That's awesome. And I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So Julie, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you and um, all the awesome work you're doing.
1: Pleasure speaking with you,
0: Michael. Thank you. Likewise. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get us a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.